are the voyages of the starship Therapize. Its continuing mission, to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Nothing. Mm, not nothing. You're watching that James Cameron Titanic fan fiction, aren't you? You know how I feel about that film. I know, sir, but it was just on, and I had three and one quarter hours to fill before my shift. And I'm all out of dead Russian novels at the moment. That's it. Settle in, Spock. You're about to watch three and one quarter hours of real Titanic documentaries. Sir, I no longer have that long... Shh. This is more important. Titanic struck the iceberg that doomed her at 11.40 p.m., April 14, 1912. Because people do remember hearing the music at the very end. They played to the end, and they were... That was so much information, so dramatically told. You're welcome. So much to unpack. Let's start the show and we can sort things out after. That's a great idea, Spock. Hi, friends at home. I'm Justine Mastin, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Laura Garski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spockian first officer, and I now know more about a ship that made literally one voyage than I ever thought possible. Just a reminder to the listeners at home that there are plenty of lifeboats for all aboard. Also, just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists, unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say that while you were drinking. No, that's totally okay. Um, you know, we've been doing this now for a while. We're almost at our 50th episode. So I've become uh, maybe not super skilled, but like, I feel like I have a medium skill set in my ability to like, s somehow like stifle a laugh while not choking on whatever beverage I have. <laughs> because in my mouth. <laughs> friends at home, if you are unaware, Spock is into beverages. <laughs> <laughs> that's true i'm super into beverages oh this is reminding me of back in the day when we could safely go to brunch yep <laughs> um so i was definitely that person who when i went to brunch i had a bare minimum of three beverages around my plate at all times because that's how important <laughs> beverages are to me fun fact when i studied abroad in senegal in undergraduate school one of the hardest things about that experience you might think it was the heat or the fact that i had pneumonia for like half of my stay there. But no, <laughs> the hard part for me was that in Senegal, you don't consume beverages while eating. What? It's like a big no-no. Like it's not, that's not an appropriate thing to do. So you can eat beverages before or after, but at no point is it okay to drink beverages while consuming a meal. 
does everyone at the table need to have consumed their meal? Like, could I just shove a Senegali dinner in my <laughs> face while, and then while everyone else is eating, I can have some fizzy water? Well, I mean, it's like it depends on how like traditional you want to kick it. But if mm -hmm. you are in a traditional Senegalese household, mm -hmm. you all sit down around the shared meal, perhaps mm -hmm. some mafe, some chibujin, whatever's striking your fancy. Um, and you all sit there and you all consume it together with each of your own individual spoons. And then usually afterwards, you consume a very hot tea beverage. And there's usually like three stages of the tea. And they begin by being quite bitter and like... I think the middle one is is flavored with mint then and then the third one has sugar and then if you keep having tea you just like each round you add more sugar so by the end it feels like you're drinking some sort of like super hot syrup beverage and it is <laughs> like I know I'm dwelling on how hot the beverage is but it is my recollection was that it was scalding and so it's like 100 degrees outside I just like stuffed myself with some sort with like some sort of rice dish, a hot rice dish, of course. <laughs> and then I had to sit there and drink like at least three installments of this tea. Um, and I did it because I didn't want to offend anyone you now. Um, and the, like the food was amazing. The tea was amazing. But like the, the way that it was organized was just not, it's not how I naturally consume things. Mm. <laughs> um, hi, friends. Welcome. Um, <laughs> this Welcome. actually... This does tie into the Titanic. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm fascinated can. to see how you're going to do this. How you're going to make this work? Um, because there was, in addition to like the main dining area, there was also an a la carte dining area where you could order basically anything you wanted, which was very expensive. Um, but I mean, I I doubt that they had anything from from that example, but. I mean, you get a whole bunch of weird shit, I'm sure. That's true. Um, I'm trying to remember from the documentary whether I think that like only like certain areas were relegated to specific classes. That is correct. So mm -hmm. if you were down below in steerage amongst, you know, the poor people. Um, mm -hmm. And I thought it was really interesting, at least in the, on the documentary, the way they were they were always specifying that like. The European immigrants were down there. But then first and second class passengers, it was like they had no nationality. They were just the richer people. <laughs> right. Even though there was a wide variety mm -hmm. of different nationalities right. of these richer people. <laughs> well, and this I like I didn't intend this to go in this direction, but here we are, friends. Um mm -hmm. This reminds me of something that is interesting, I think, when you take a class lens and start looking at, like, sociological movements and, like, economics mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. Um, one of the criticisms of using the class lens is that, like, well, why are you always making it about class? Mm -hmm. Other things are really important. And here's the thing. That's true. Intersectionality by Kimberly Crenshaw, so important. Um, mm -hmm. But it was interesting to me the way that because like the documentaries we watched didn't have like a super refined class lens that they mm -hmm. were they did an excellent job of explaining like why it is that people who are really focused on class really focus on it sometimes to the extent that they ignore national differences because once you reach a certain echelon of wealth your nationality just isn't as important mm -hmm. 
Yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. today, yeah. the focus of our fandom is the RMS Titanic. It is. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're burying no leads. No. <laughs> no. We have really buried the lead on, like, why, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, so... We we wrote a blog post for Psychology Today, our most recent blog post, um, with with the same name as this episode. So mm-hmm. if you want to go to Psychology Today, you can just type in this episode title and it'll pop up. Yeah, I'll probably put it in the liner notes too. So okay, great. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? That's even better. Mm-hmm. Take some of the work out. That's that's gonna. That's what we're about here. That's gonna spark action. Uh, <laughs> uh, but. I I had this thought the other day when I and I thought to myself people have been saying we're all in the same boat. Yes. And other people have been saying not at all. We're not at all in the same boat. And I thought we are all in the same boat. That boat is the Titanic. <laughs> and thus both the blog and this episode were born, um, and I felt very proud of myself. So mm-hmm. it, it's important to celebrate small victories. It is. And I think, like, the real, the nice thing about using this particular metaphor is that it does a great job of of speaking to, like, both sides of this discussion, if you will. Like, it very much speaks to the idea that, like, we we all are being impacted by the global pandemic, Mm-hmm. We're all being impacted in, and I'll get to the different ways, but I'm going to stick with we're all being impacted by the absolute mess that is 2020. Mm-hmm. But the particular differences that some of us are experiencing, both as individuals and as members of different social groups, is analogous to the different class levels and roles that folks on the Titanic had that mm-hmm. then governed a lot of their own specific experiences once the ship hit the iceberg or the mirage iceberg or (laughs) i didn't get to that documentary okay (laughs) okay i'm gonna explain that because it's not it's not that the iceberg was a mirage it's that it was hidden by the mirage that's why they didn't see it in time sure sure sure. that makes more sense so listeners at home let me tell you something you don't know about me Mm -hmm. sit by the fire friends yeah, come come sit by the fire, make yourself a metaphorical cocoa, and travel back in time with me. The year is 1997. Aww. Um, actually, it was probably a bit before that. It was probably like 95, 96. Um, so the, you know, the discovery of the sunken Titanic, Titanic happened in 1985, I believe. And after that time the documentaries started just popping up all over town. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I was just, I don't know. I was in a place in my nerddom when I was just ready for some fun historical facts. And <laughs> just imagining you as a young Kirkland in your bell bottom pants, <laughs> spaghetti strap takes, writing in your journal. <laughs> and it's like 1996 ish plus or minus a year and suddenly you're like, wait a minute. History. <laughs> well, it's funny because I would, you know, I would get on kicks about things, mm-hmm. right? 
And my uh, my dad was always so into history. Like he was a history uh, buff, especially around war stuff. He was real into reading about tanks and shit. Yeah. Um, he was yeah, the right was... age. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so we would always have the history channel on. Um, and then suddenly the history channel was playing these Titanic documentaries. And I was like, oh, hey, I'm into this. This is interesting. Um, so suddenly dad and I had something sort of in common. I think he was just like, well, this is on. <laughs> <laughs> and it's history. So wonderful. <laughs> so great. He's like, oh, it's a ship. I like ships. Uh- <laughs> Do you remember what attracted to you initially about or what was attractive to you initially about the Titanic? I like I I cannot remember what it was mm. exactly. Um, I part of it was the mystery. I I have always been very drawn to mysteries. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, we really didn't know what had happened. Or you know, it was all witness account at that point because oh. there hadn't been um, as much like scholarly research. Oh, so. It was mostly witness account and um, like what what people had presumed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the obviously the there was a, a trial. There was a court hearing after the sinking. And oh. like we have transcripts of that entire thing. Wow. Um, yeah. But all that shit just hadn't. I don't know. It hadn't been looked into as as much or at least it hadn't been distributed as widely mm-hmm. so there were some really common fallacies um so it was kind of the story of hubris sure 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 it has you know? kind of a like f scott fitzgerald great gatsby vibe to it mm-hmm. which i think when i when i first encountered titanic so that would would also have been 1996 plus or minus a year um I think like my my initial response was like you get this away from me, which was very similar mm-hmm. to my initial response to F. Scott Fitzgerald and The Great Gatsby was like you get this away from me, <laughs> and I think this and like I didn't really know how to uh, how to like put language shoot at the time because I was a kid and in America we don't really ha- like we don't we don't give a lot of language to class distinctions like they're there they divide us they define mm-hmm. us but we don't like to talk a lot about it in this country. But looking mm-hmm. back on it, I'm like, you know, I feel like part of what this was about for me is I was very much of the lower class and I was like, ugh, these rich people. Mm. <laughs> away from me. Yeah, fair. <laughs> fair. Like, talk about the height of opulence. Mm-hmm. But also, coming at it from that lens, like, height of opulence fucking sinks. <laughs> right. Because they were cutting corners left, right, and center. Well, that's the myth. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it seems like that's not exactly true that they were cutting corners. It seems like they were just throwing money at this. They wanted to be Sorry. the white star line. Y'all at home, you're getting so much more history than you bargained for. <laughs> um, but there, there were the two com- competing um, s- yes. steamship liners. There was... The White Star Line that built Titanic and the Cunard Line mm. that that built faster ships. Yes. Right? And so White Star knew they couldn't compete in speed, so they decided to compete in luxury. Sure. So they were like, just keep throwing money at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there, there's rumors that they, they used subpar metal or they used subpar bolts, but it seems like with the testing that's been done, that's not true. Okay. 
or so so far they haven't shown me evidence enough for me to believe that theory well and you know this is this is your wheelhouse for sure (laughs) i have dabbled a toe in (laughs) yeah so now friends you know how interested in in the Titanic, I am. Yeah, there's just something about shipwrecks. It was so mysterious. Like at the time, I was very into back to the your question of mm-hmm. like, sure, how did how this did happen? You get so into this, yes. um, I was very interested in um, like the occult and Ooh. spiritualism. Wow, I had no idea about this either. <laughs> Learning new things, I love this. <laughs> and there's something about like a sunken ship being very like haunted. So were you really into um, finding out that Braley's dad, so Theodore Braley, he was the pianist in the the band that played played the ship into the ocean. Were you really <laughs> excited when you found out that Braley's dad was like a spiritualist who told him before he left to get on the ship, he was like, I don't think that's a good idea, son. I have bad. I have a bad feeling about this. Dude, the, this <laughs> documentary that I had you watch uh-huh. was seriously the first time I had heard that story. Oh, no. If only we could go back in time and tell young you. I know. Young me would have just... I mean, it's the first time I remember hearing it. Maybe I heard it when I was younger. I feel like you would have remembered, especially now that I know that you are into, like, occult stuff. (laughs) Like I said, I had had varied interests. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, And so... Just just to tie up my history with the Titanic. Beautiful. For, for our listeners. Um, so I, I was very into this and I was very into the stories of the people. I hadn't heard about the band as much, mm-hmm. which is the documentary I had you watch. Yes. Um, but there were lots of stories just about like people on board and it was like, oh, wow, these are such great stories. Oh, how cool. Um, and I knew about the band having played mm-hmm. as the, as the ship went down. I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Um, and so when I heard mm-hmm. that a film was being made about the Titanic, my little 1997 heart was just a flutter. This is going to be great. I'm going to mm-hmm. get to hear all the stories of the people that I have learned about all these years. Mm-hmm. How wonderful I go put to the silver to, screen really, by one James Cameron, which I remember thinking was so strange because I thought I connected James Cameron to, you know, Terminator and Alien. And then all of a sudden, James was like the Titanic. See, and it wasn't weird for me because he'd been really involved with the ship stuff. Like oh, he had been involved sure. in the. You knew about all this. Uh, right. In the underwater. Sure. Investigations. Right. Right. Um. Right, so that well, right. I'm like, oh, this is being covered by a guy who fucking gets it. Right, <laughs> this is gonna be great. And I didn't pay a ton of attention god. to the previews, except to be like, look at all those people getting on the ship. Oh my god, look, the ship is going down. I didn't really hmm. like register right what was the happening. Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet thing. Sure, I was sure, like, sure. I'm sure that's some like C story, right? Like the letter C um right that's not gonna oh and this is just such a great example of so many things in psychology where to begin (laughs) the first one i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with maybe the most obvious one which is that like the idea of confirmation bias or or the fact that our brains like we're we pattern matching right we're prompt dependent Mm -hmm. the prompt you gave your brain was i want to see a film 
that looks at that like obviously um dramatizes but looks at like the real life stories of the people on the titanic that's what i'm looking for this is that's what, what I, that's and, what i want so you saw these previews which like <laughs> i always remember the one where it was like her and her big hat right like it zooms in on the back of her hat right, and, and suddenly she's it's looking, her face. but she's looking up at the ship she could be anyone and this is a great example again of like you your brain like you told the story that you wanted to see Mm -hmm. and you wanted to see a story that like looked at all the different like different like human interest stories from different areas on the ship Mm -hmm. that's not what that preview was selling boy that preview (laughs) was selling look at Leonardo DiCaprio newly minted hottie Kate Winslet with her wonderfully dyed red hair (laughs) this is it love yeah so i went to the theater um i don't remember being with other people i'm sure i was but my memory is like i am just i drove myself alone (laughs) to the theater (laughs) i'm uh friends if you're someone who went with me to titanic reach out i'm sorry But I, I was looking around and I was like, why are there all these 12-year-olds here? Do they all have interest in a sunken ship? Right, <laughs> right. And, and suddenly the reality started to break through the fan fiction. Oh. And... Every time Leo was on screen, the 12-year-old sitting in front of me were like, oh my god, it's so, so hot. <laughs> and I was just livid. I was furious. You were so angry. I was so angry. And what I was the angriest about was there, there are a few really famous quotes and moments from the night of the sinking. Oh. And when Rose <clears throat> is running through the ship mm-hmm. at the end as mm-hmm. it's sinking, she runs past people saying those lines oh so he put them in sure but they're like she's running and it's like i'm sorry i didn't build you a better ship run 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 oh look there's the band playing as the thing goes down run 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 oh look there's the (laughs) captain locking himself in the uh in the command center run 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 No, this is reminding me of this is reminding me of when I saw the X-Men film. The first Mm -hmm. one. Because Brian Singer did that too. He left like little sort of um Easter eggs. So if you were really a fan of the comics and the cartoon show in the Mm -hmm. 90s, you'd be like, holy fuck, there's Jubilee for like five seconds. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then that was it. You were gone, you were back to Hugh Jackman in black leather. Which, like, here's the Mm -hmm. thing. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be mad about that. I'm not mad about that. Not mad about that. Hugh Jackman is a beautiful man. (laughs) <laughs> he was at the peak of his hotness when that film came out. But, like, <laughs> you could have still had hot Hugh Jackman and told some actually, like, interesting of the comic lore stories. And it sounds like mm-hmm. it, like, they could have done the same thing in Titanic. Like, keep, keep Rose and Jack, right? Like, the 12-year-olds need that. Sure. But they could have had, <laughs> like, they could have had more interesting things happening around them and with them and people they interacted with. Hmm. And 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 instead, what you got was like five minutes of a flyby. I don't even think it was five minutes, but yeah, and you know, it's interesting when you when you say Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. That actually, that's something I had never considered. Mm. I 
what it was for me because I love an Easter egg. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I was just so wrapped up in how this was not my fic. Yes. And also, I had no real concept of fanfic at the time. Mm-hmm. That, that was not a fandom I was in at the time. Um, I, I was just mad. I was like, what are you doing? What are you yeah. doing to my story? Yeah. I think, you know what? I was having an Anne Rice reaction. <laughs> I got all Anne Rice on Aww. the Titanic. You did. Yeah. But when you reframe it as Easter eggs, I'm like, oh, well, that's nice. So he put things in so that... So those of us who know the stories would be like, oh, I know that story. That feels less bad. I'm really glad that that all these years later. (laughs) I'm still not going to watch it again. No, I wouldn't. I I don't think it's worth that. I don't think it's worth that. (laughs) Though I am very aware that our producer has different feelings. Our producer is a big fan of, of the film. Um, in part because he had a rewatch recently, and perhaps listener, you're like, is this the moment when the producer is going to be on the show? And my answer is no, <laughs> no, no. So you'll never, you'll never quite know what his thoughts were. Mm-hmm. Well, the, oh, the mystery continues, just like the sunken ship. <laughs> I mean, it seems like we have a lot of answers about the sunken ship. We do. We have a lot of answers now. Yeah, they've done some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. They have. And before we get too far down that, those, yeah, those yeah, yeah. roads, I want to bring it back to the here and now, right? So there are lots of interesting parallels between our current timeline, 2020, with everything happening with the pandemic and uh, all the political uprisings across the United States and in other countries as well. Mm-hmm. And there is there there are some unique overlaps between what's happening now and what happened back in the day with the Titanic. One of the things that had utterly escaped my understanding back in 1997, and I was able to like fit these like long last unite these two pieces of the puzzle this morning when I watched the documentary, <laughs> is that like this was the Gilded Age. Right. So this is like early 1900s. This is right before the huge economic crash and the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Where we had very minimal checks on industry, even less than we do now, friends. <laughs> Hard to imagine. This is one of the parallels, right? That like right now, again, we've really leaned into this idea of capitalism and business and the market economy as like somehow almost like this deity that like, well, we can't put regulations on that because it'll mess things up. We need to just let it go and ride this beautiful mm-hmm. wave. And the Gilded Age was like that, except worse in many ways. <laughs> right. And so you had, like, as you're saying, like, it was, this is this opulent ship. All the people in first class loved it. Second class had lots of things to enjoy as well. The people in steer, you know, the Europeans in steerage, finally you're poor enough to like where you're, the regions you're from <laughs> and your cultural background starts to matter again. Like those areas were awful, but I did love the documentary I watched. The one dude was like, well, you know, they had a bar. <laughs> I, I do have to say, uh, a documentary I watched fairly recently was like, you know, it's not as bad as people say steerage they had stuff right and i was like okay could you tell me more about the stuff yeah yeah let me know what was what was there a bar yeah and i you know they played their own music 
Right. They were like, yeah, when we were talking about like the band that played everyone to their death or like, you know, half the ship to their death, they were like, in steerage, they had their own, they made their own music, their own ethnic music. And I was like, oh, wow. This is, it's still happening. And the blinders are still affixed. Um, mm -hmm. But in the same way that like there are certain things that you can't plan for. You know, like, you can plan to a certain extent for icebergs, but mirages are hard to account for. <laughs> and there are We didn't definitely, know about them then. Right. We didn't know about them then. There are lots of things that have happened currently with the pandemic where, like, yeah, we couldn't. There are things that we could not have accounted for here. Mm -hmm. There are also things that we definitely could have done better and could be doing better. Yep. And there is... It feels like people in strong positions of power, part of what they want to do in our current, presently in 2020, and the vibe I get, like, though it's far less now with the Titanic because they've done a lot of research and that's where a lot of these documentaries are coming from is like newer research. Mm -hmm. But there still is this, this inclination to lean into like, well, how could we have known we did the best we could? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, did, did. Did you, though? Like, you told me something, maybe it was yesterday you told me this, that I had never mm -hmm. heard of, um, that, like, the whole lifeboat situation, that, in fact, they had what was the legally required number of lifeboats. Mm -hmm. But the laws had not been updated to take into account the fact <laughs> that this was a fucking huge ship. Right. <laughs> and we see this playing out in 2020 as well, where it's like, well, but this is, mm -hmm. like, you know, legally, the police are allowed to do their jobs I'm saying in air mm -hmm. quotes just because you can legally do something doesn't mean that it's the healthiest thing to do or the best thing to do or the most humane thing to do right right and along the way are people pointing it out right you know like the lore is that they were gonna put all the lifeboats on or maybe that this was in the movie titanic you know, that they were going to put all the lifeboats on. And it's like, people don't pay for lifeboats. But like, yes, they, I do that. Rem I do remember that from the movie. <laughs> yeah. But they, they were legally required to have 16 lifeboats. And I believe they had 20. So they were above the, the legal minimum. And. And while that's great. Um. It's also like, look at what's happening in front of us. The world is changing. Yes. Which I think is what you're speaking to. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, sure. You have the legal number of required lifeboats. You also have twice as many people on this ship. Right. Which brings in this other piece, the, the kind of hubris I was mm -hmm. talking about. This boat was called the unsinkable ship. Just utterly got, absurd. Like they hadn't even they hadn't taken it right. out. You can't say that until you take the shit the thing out. Yeah, they took it on a twelve hour <laughs> test run, which is like the shortest ever a for three an ocean hour leader. tour. <laughs> a twelve hour <laughs> tour. A twelve hour. I test. just imagine like all these like titans of industry <laughs> standing on the bow, being like, "Look at this. This is amazing. <laughs> we have money. Oh, and this is." What what is one of the biggest things that like having lots and lots of wealth does? It insulates you mm -hmm. from natural consequences. Right, right. 
yeah, you're you're used to everything going fine, mm-hmm. going your way, right. being great. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, you're and, like, just throw money at that person. Right. And so the the ship got, got dubbed the unsinkable ship, not by White Star Line, though. It was like by one of the newspapers. And then that just got to be the thing that everybody said about it. But not Theodore Braley's dad. He knew. He was listening he to the knew. spirits. He was like, guys, this is the bad energy. You need to get off. <laughs> yeah. I. Oh, man. I bet he was such an I told you sower for well, the rest of his life. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's, I mean, he lost his kid. If 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 somehow being an I told you sower, like, helped him get through that, I'm like, that's fine. Give that to Mr. Braley. No. You know what? That's fair. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, as as folks living in Western culture, we have fallen into this too. Yes. We have fallen into this idea of we are on an unsinkable ship. No matter what happens. Like, the there is some, there's some evidence. If you, friend, listening, are a Titanic scholar, you may subscribe to different theories. Um, and that's cool. I'm down with different theories in the real world. <laughs> You are. You're very pro different lenses. Yeah, I'm very I'm very pro that. Mm-hmm. Um but there there's some evidence that there was a fire on board in one of the Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is a documentary <laughs> yeah. I wanted to watch, but I couldn't get because I don't have Smithsonian Plus. But it's okay. You've seen it, so you can tell the people about it now. Right. There's some evidence that in one of because the steamships ran on coal. Literal people shoveling coal and sometimes that coal would catch fire not in the place where it should be on fire (laughs) you're doing such a great job of breaking this down genuinely this is really great (laughs) and so there was there was one of these bunker fires and there's evidence that this was happening when they left port Mm -hmm. so it was already on fire when they left um and because it Mm. was you know such a such a big fire that it actually made the metal too hot and susceptible to damage when it hit the iceberg. Oh, you know, the this is reminding this me up, of this is reminding me hmm. of the US medical system prior to the pandemic. Oh, right? Like we yeah. we don't mm-hmm. we're one of the few I'm going to use this language. I don't love it, but I'm just going to use it because it's what we have. We're one of the few developed in air quotes nations that doesn't mm-hmm. have universal health care. We right. continue to do this private healthcare thing that is just a mess. And one of the results of that in the last 10 or so years is that lots of like rural and like middle sized town hospitals have been shutting down because they can't afford to stay open. Mm-hmm. And so this was a problem. This was like our version of part of the ship being on fire. And we've mm-hmm. just been like, it, we can, it's fine. It's fine. Kids can keep going. The Democratic Party is like, let's take more money from Blue Cross Blue Shield, all these from private insurances that fund us. This, we can make this work. We can patchwork private insurance. And then mm-hmm. the pandemic hit. Yeah. And this is interesting because this is going to continue to feed into your metaphor here. Mm-hmm. Because the... If it is true yes. that the the ship was on fire, we we were burning more coal than we had intended, and at the time there was a coal shortage. 
So we only had, if if we subscribe to this theory, we only have enough coal to get to New York. Oh. Which means we can't slow down in the iceberg field. Mm. Or we'll run out of coal. Mm. And that, w- that would be a real problem. Mm-hmm. If we hit an iceberg, whatever, it's an unsinkable ship. But if we slow down, we're fucked. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? Because, I mean, right. what are the odds of hitting an iceberg? So, so minimal. Right. But odds of running out of coal? Real high. Uh-huh. Jesus. Our producer just goes sound like it sounds like a cut corner. <laughs> Listen, there was a coal shortage. What could they do? I mean, if your ship's on fire, you don't you don't you don't set sail for New York. Oh, that part. Yes, that was you a know, problem. That was like like they just don't do that. <laughs> That's like how all of Congress was like, well, we haven't figured out what to do about rent assistance. And helping people during this period because the pandemic, there's no one in sight. But you know what we're going to do? Let's go on vacation for a couple. (laughs) I told you it would still work with your metaphor. It does. I really appreciate that. It's the gift that continues to give. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if if we think of our, and specifically, I'm going to use our country because that's the one we know the most about. Yes. Um. If our country was already on fire, mm, yeah, and then we're headed in into the into the iceberg fields, right. we really we really needed more caution. We did. We needed a lot more caution. We needed mm-hmm. a lot more lifeboats, mm-hmm. and we're seeing the impact of having neither of those things playing out here in real time. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, because oh, you'll look. No, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say you're going to love this part, mm-hmm. which is um, the the captain hears the reports, mm-hmm. says, you know, s- steady, keep keep it <laughs> keep it speed, keep going where we're going, and then he went to dinner in in first class with a bunch of the wow, like noble people. Sure, Guggenheim and that one guy who was mm-hmm. the richest guy back then, and I forget his name. He had a long Aster. Aster, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. You know, this reminds me of this reminds me of um when you go to pro well, in the last like couple of years when you'll go to protests and sometimes you'll see a wide variety of protest signs, right? Mm-hmm. And some of the protest signs have been something about like how I could have been at brunch. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm a big believer in brunch. I, I love, love it. Brunch. I'm a big fan. But the idea that somehow we need to resolve issues of class and racial disparity and police brutality and perpetrated police murder so that then we can be at brunch. Mm -hmm. It's not a good look. No. And it's also like not not accurate, I think, in the sense that like part of part of what has gone wrong here is that we have many of those of us who are in. I'm going to say like middle class, those of us Mm -hmm. who are solidly in the middle class. And I very much include myself in this, like have gotten to a place where we're like, we're kind of complacent. We're like, you know, let's just trust that the people in power are thinking of everybody. I don't Mm -hmm. want to focus too much on this. I want to go do other things. Mm -hmm. 
And the reality is, is that is that when we do that, we get a system whereby people in power who have vast amounts of wealth make decisions that benefit themselves. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that somehow we can get to a place where it's like, we don't have to worry about this anymore. We can just go to brunch. Like, no, what we need to figure out how to do is how to like, yeah, you know, make sure that everybody has access to brunch. <laughs> sure. Everyone deserves brunch. Everyone deserves brunch. You get, you deserve to get as many beverages as you want to have, you know, <laughs> safely taking into account your own specific issues. You know, if you have struggles with alcoholism or like, I don't know, diabetes, all of that. Right. I can't drink coffee. I know. It hurts my tummy. Right. You can't drink coffee. It hurts your tummy, does weird things. Um, <laughs> and at the same time, we need built in the ability to continue in a sustainable way to be involved in our systems and government, to be involved in the decisions that are being made. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there were people bringing messages to the captain right said ice ahead uh-huh this is the problem ice ahead right um and i mean i friends at home if you aren't sold on this metaphor <laughs> let me try one more time to sell you <laughs> wow i thought you were gonna be like if you're not sold then maybe it's time for you to jump ship but you're like no <laughs> i have one last pitch for you <laughs> One last pitch for you, which is <laughs> the dude in the communication room. Oh. You know, he's just down there doing Morse code. That's hard. Right. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's got the little teletype or whatever. And he, he, he probably received, had, he probably had got early onset carpal tunnel or he would have if he, did he, he live? I don't. Uh, no, probably not. I don't remember if he lived. Okay. A, a couple of the communication guys lived. Okay. Um, We're going to go with the one who didn't live to like amp up the drama here, though. All right. Here he is, this man who never was never able to develop early onset carpal tunnel. <laughs> um, you know, he 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 had received messages. He had passed them on. And now it was time for him to go through all the messages the passengers wanted told to the people at, you know, on the various mainlands. Oh, God. Right. That mm -hmm. that was his job for the rest of the night. And as he's doing that, he gets this message that starts off with like, hey, old boy. And he's like, dude, I don't have time for this. Right. And, you know, it was one of the communication guys mm -hmm. on another ship. Mm -hmm. And he's like, dude, uh, shut up. I don't have time for this. <laughs> and it was someone saying, it was someone trying to say, dude, we're trapped in ice. Like, you are yeah. literally in danger right now. Right. And he told them to shut up because... He knew he would get in trouble if he didn't respond, if he didn't send out everybody's messages. So here is right. here is a breakdown in the system when we overwork people mm. and, you know, tell them that they right. that they need to do what we tell them to do mm -hmm. over what is what is needed. Right. Well, and I hadn't this is occurring to me just now. But one mm -hmm. of the things that has been coming up currently in sessions is this idea that, like, activism is a young person's game. Mm. And there are lots of different ways to understand that and interpret that. And you are mm -hmm. giving me a new way to look at that, which is part of what's very true in, the, in our current late stage capitalist society is that 
once you hit adulthood and are like locked into the workforce, Mm -hmm. you don't have time for much else other than like working. And if you, if you have like close familial connections of any kind, you have even less time to do anything else. Like me saying things like, well, we we now need to figure out how to like be activists and like build that into our lives. Mm -hmm. The reality is that like for many people, they're like that guy in the communications room. They're like, I can't, I cannot worry about Mm -hmm. who my local congressperson is. I have to like (laughs) get these TPS reports done and pick up like junior from like soccer practice and figure out like how I'm going to like, I don't know, get junior new cleats. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I don't have time for you. I don't have time for you. I don't have time for you and your message. Right. If if the captain was worried about ice, he would have told me he was worried about ice. Right. And the reality is that the captain was like, no, I'm going to go to dinner <laughs> with Astor and Guggenheim. Because here's, here's what I know for sure. There's going to be enough lifeboats for me. <laughs> now, my well, memory is that, like, inevitably he was so racked with guilt and he didn't know what to do. And then he... Went down with the ship. Am I remembering that right? Yeah. <clears throat> Accounts of him by people who knew him said that he would, he was always going to go down with the ship. Like that he was just, you know, that that's what you did as the captain. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a, that was a social norm of the time. The yeah. captain goes down with the ship. Those unquestioned Westworld constructs. It was totally unquestioned. And also, um, he, he was the the most highly acclaimed captain in the White Star fleet. Jesus. Like he had he had sailed so many ships mm-hmm. so many times. Right? He had never been in he had been in a small wreck. Okay. But nothing that was like right. r- ruinous for people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know. And yeah, he He's like, this ship's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be fine. But if if ever a day comes that the ship goes down, I will go down with the ship. Unlike some of our leaders. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and let me be clear. I don't think that, like, as an ethos, going down with the ship is something that, like, one should do. That one should apply to all situations. All ships and all wrecks at all times. <laughs> that is so, that's so real. Thank oh. you for clarifying that. <laughs> Let us not go down with every ship. Not every ship. And one of the things that's striking to me as I'm thinking about the captain here, obviously not you, sir, because you, you're, you're, not, you're not the captain of the Titanic. Um, <laughs> thank goodness. Thank goodness. But it's making me think about shame mm. and failure and what happens when we don't have practice with a particular kind of failure. Oh, you yeah, know, that's interesting. Like mm-hmm. he didn't he he didn't have experience or practice failing as a captain mm-hmm. of a ship. No, definitely not. What he did have was this Westworld construct about how you go down with it. Mm-hmm. And connected to that, probably a lot of like unquestioned shame, like one of his personal constructs, it's likely, of course, I'm doing a lot of inferring right now, I'm writing my own mm-hmm. real person fan fiction, but stay with me here, friends. That like, he probably had an internalized sense that like, well, if you're a captain, your ship goes down, like that means there's something wrong with you. And also you've done an awful heinous thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. That I would never do. Mm-hmm. And so when faced with his ship going down 
and this con- and this Westworld construct that you go down with the ship and his own internal construct potentially that like well you're a bad and awful human if you cra- if if your ship crashes into an iceberg mm-hmm. that the shame then that would come up in combination with those first two pieces would be such that like he would he he would be in many ways nearly immobilized yeah and it was it was actually quite prescient of him yeah to to go down with the ship because any of the men in power who did survive they they were publicly shamed for the rest of their lives well Yes, but I don't I don't want to like go. I feel like we're like walking right up to the line of being like and so sometimes you go like you go the way of life is done. No, no. I that is <clears throat> I didn't think so. Thank you for naming that. No, that is not that's not what I was trying to say. Uh what I was trying to say is for the times. Yes. For the times there was a very particular narrative about men's roles. Mhm. And the lifeboats were for women and children first. And so men who got in the ships, who got in the lifeboats, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. There, there were two different opinions of men who got in the lifeboats. Because the Titanic was seen as an unsinkable ship, mm-hmm. people did not want to get into the lifeboats because they thought, well, and and rightly so. Mm-hmm. The way the ship was built, it should have been able to sustain uh, a big scar across the side of it mm-hmm. and still float. Oh, and so this is this supports the theory that something else must have gone wrong. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it should have stayed afloat for at least like a day. Right. Even with a big scar in the side. Mm-hmm. And so something else was wrong. Right. right. Um but to the message that these people had was that this boat is the ship is unsinkable. Mm. So I should not leave the ship. Sure. I I am in a lot more danger on that little dinky lifeboat <laughs> in the middle of the ocean. Sure. And so some of the men were seen as heroes for getting into the boats with their spouses mm. or, you know, mm-hmm. like with a with a group of ladies to <laughs> help to protect them. To help them feel safe. Right, with their male um, aura. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, so there, there were those men. Yes. Um, but if, you know, if you were a man in power sure. and you got in a lifeboat for for no one else's benefit but your own. Right. And I'm not saying this is my opinion. I'm saying this was the opinion of people at the time. Right, right. They, and they, you'd be up against a pretty powerful Westworld construct. Now, exactly. if you have the self-love of one Billy Zane, <laughs> whose name I, I... As you should. Right. As, as you know, we, we, all, we only aspire um, to have the self-love of one Billy Zane and the ability to wear just that amazing dark eyeliner. Um, I don't remember... <laughs> I love a guy eyeliner. I don't remember what Billy names Billy Zane's character's name was in James Cameron James Cameron's fan fiction. Who cares? He's always Billy Zane. He's always Billy Zane. Um, and like I feel certain that Billy Zane made it back to land and was a hundred and ten percent fine. Yeah, I'm sure he was fine. But I think for someone who was not Billy Zane, mm-hmm. that would be this would be this would be like a really big. This would be a big and significant piece to face. 
And it brings up mm-hmm. one of the challenges of the Westworld construct, right? Because even if you have looked at a Westworld construct and decided, actually, I reject this idea that as a captain, I need to go down with the ship. Mm-hmm. You are still going to be faced with people who have not rejected that construct. They hold it very dear. Right. And they may come at you in ways that are hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, if we have new listeners, can you give the quick and dirty explanation of the Westworld construct? Beautiful. Um, See what I did there? I, did. I turned it around so you, you did. had to do it. Uh-huh. And I think that was totally fair because I'm usually the one who does it to you. And then you have to like immediately <laughs> pivot and define it. Um, <laughs> Westworld construct is um, based on the idea of social constructionism that most of the ways that we... Most of the rules, roles, and boundaries that we have collectively as a society are created and invented. They are not immovable constructs. Mm -hmm. And they have as much power as we as individuals and we as a collective group give them. Mm -hmm. They are not universal truths. They are not universal truths. And if you have decided to, you know, renounce as an individual the let's say like the gender binary Mm -hmm. you can do that and perhaps that will be very freeing for you if you are however in a collective group that holds fast to the gender binary that dissonance that conflict is going to cause you at best a lot of discomfort at worst a lot of pain and Mm self-doubt yeah right so the I mean the the captain made a choice that was within his Westworld construct. Good. And some others who I mean we cannot imagine what it would be like to be in that circumstance. Um you know. And the thing is the the captain even told the um the couple of communication guys, he was like, gentlemen, you've done your duty, it's it's all it's every man for himself. Um, Jesus, and and let and release them from their duties mm-hmm. um, as the ship was going down. Right. So you know he had awareness enough to say like, "Hey, hey guys, go go fend for yourself. I mm. know I'm going down with the ship." Essentially, right. So he, I mean, he didn't he didn't make he did not force other force others to. What what am I trying to say? He didn't decide for other people. No, he didn't decide for other people. No. I mean, there. well, some of the crew were keeping men off the ships, mm-hmm. off, the, off the lifeboats. Sure. Um, I don't know if that was a captain's com- or other high officer's command. Right. Or if that was just, I mean, they were told women and children first, and they took that real literally, apparently. Mm. Um, and some would only let women and children on the boats. Yeah. Which is part of why they were like half full, maybe. Oh. Oh, you didn't know that? Well, you know, I don't really know much. This is not my wheelhouse. Yeah, the ships, the uh the lifeboats were not full. So even they didn't oh. even save the number of people they could have saved. Wow, they didn't even save the number of people they could have saved. Hmm. That's another parallel to this time and place for sure. Right. And which brings us back to the social strata mm-hmm. and the by percentage. Right. Far more first class survived 
than third class. Right. They were cl- they were closer to the boats. Well, you, yes, yes, they were. I mean, and like, I mean, they by access. design access, right? right? Like exactly. money buys mm-hmm. you access to all kinds of things. And when we and we have created, unfortunately, we we created the Titanic, and this country mm-hmm. is a very, like just like the Titanic. This is a country that has been created to cater to the wealthy. So Mm -hmm. though we actually have enough resources to ensure that like everyone has housing and everyone has like their basic bottom of the pyramid, Maslow's hierarchies of needs met, we haven't created a society that prioritizes that. We've created a society that prioritizes the existence of multi-billionaires like Jeff Bezos. Oh, (laughs) are you so happy that you got to rail against Jeff Bezos for a minute? It's always a good day when I get to rail at Jeff Bezos. <laughs> and like fun fact, depending on like the group that I'm with when I'm trying to like really sell people on reallocation of wealth, I either go with Jeff Bezos or Kylie Jenner. <laughs> and this week, one night, we were up late. We were chatting about all things related to the pod. And mm-hmm. um, I attempted to, like, I was like, yeah, wealth reallocation. Like, Kylie Jenner doesn't need these many Rolls Royces. And you looked at me and you were like, who is that? And <laughs> what's, why would I care about their number of cars? And I was like, I mean, I know who Kylie Jenner is. <laughs> but how is this relevant to my life? Right. Right. We all have different interests. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, <laughs> I, I know that I have gone and clickbait clicked a story about Kylie Jenner's house because it looked hideous. Yeah, it doesn't. So not my taste. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she's a young person and young people don't have the classiest taste. I'm sorry. Like, I think of myself as a younger person. Like, you would just tape shit to the wall. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's what she's doing in her babillion dollar mansion. She's got this, like, crazy ass gorgeous tile with with shit taped on it wow i haven't i haven't seen this video but it it doesn't surprise me it feels very on brand if this is the right jenner that i'm thinking of i know there's Mm. a couple of them that's true the two big ones are they you know their names have to start with k it's both kylie and kendall no all right i Mm -hmm. i'm not sure one of them has a, a house that could really stand someone to come and pull things down off the wall. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know. And dyed dried pasta in the kitchen. I'll send you a link. Okay. Wow. That's, yeah. Yeah. See, Mm -hmm. this is what wealth does to you. This is what wealth does to you. It's not healthy. (laughs) It's not good for people. No. 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 Ugh. We've covered a okay. lot of ground in this We've Titanic. We've covered so much ground. And I'm I'm wondering, was there anywhere else we wanted to be sure to go today? Um, I, well, I, I have one. Okay. I, I would like to talk just very briefly about the dangers of magical thinking. Oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, I would say go, go forth. Yeah. So uh, this is a magical thinking is in a category of um psychological concepts called uh, cognitive distortions 
Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of different cognitive distortions. Um, but I'm not going to talk about all of them today, just magical thinking. Sure. And magical thinking is exactly what it sounds like. Thinking that we can make something happen or make something not happen because we do something else. Mm. So um, if if I, this is a real classic one, lots of people have this, which is if someone you know is going on a trip, you say safe travels. Sure. And by saying safe travels, you believe that you have in some way ensured their safe travel. Yes. Which is... Uh, that is that is not the case. I'm sure lots of people, when they said goodbye to their loved ones sailing off on the Titanic, Aww. they said safe travels. I'm sorry. No, I'm sure they did. <laughs> um, I'm, yeah, no, I'm. I feel confident that they did. Not not <laughs> Braley's dad. Braley's dad was like, "Don't get on that. It's not safe. <laughs> Don't do it, son." And he's like, "Oh, dad. Oh, I'm dad. young and precocious. Right. I want to play the piano for the rich people." I- I guess you're not precocious at like 20. Uh. <laughs> no, though he was one of the younger ones because he was 24. You know, I do have one question mm-hmm. that I feel like has never been answered, yeah. which is how did the pianist play on the bridge, on the deck? Uh, well, the documentary I watched did not address that, but I'm assuming that they had the piano on wheels. I think he wheeled it out to the deck. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's an unanswered question. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. So magical thinking—that's a—that's a small example of it. Bigger examples would be people saying, "This is an unsinkable ship." Right. The existence of something called an unsinkable ship. Right. You know, I've never thought of this that way, but in some ways, I feel like magical thinking is perhaps arguably the shadow side of the Westworld construct, a.k.a. social constructionism, because it's the idea that you can, by group belief, will something into existence. Hmm. And you can, by group belief, because that will then govern how, like, those individuals show up. You can. There's a lot of things you can will into existence. Mm Mm-hmm. And certainly I can think of many politicians on both sides of the aisle who are very good at, like, in their speaking, projecting, using words to project an idea and a sense of belief mm-hmm. that they do, that they then do not follow up with concrete action. Yeah. But, that's, but the belief of it, like, that's the magical realism, like, or that's the magical thinking part is it feels real. Like, if mm-hmm. I listen to a speech and someone's up there and they're talking about, like, truths that I believe in. Or like mm-hmm. human values I believe in, like empathy and compassion and um, Medicare for all, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, I believe this. This like the person is saying it. It somehow feels more tangible. Yeah. And, you know, that Freudian slip, I think, is actually really good because I think it, what we're talking about is magical thinking that becomes real. It's magical realism. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what we're calling magical realism. Yes. <laughs> but the reality is that like there's there's a limit to that like you can't i no amount of belief in my ability to levitate is going to make me levitate right and no amount of and i'm going to get political here folks so like i don't know why i'm even leading with that because this is the starship therapist no also they listen to this whole podcast podcast, and now i'm like social stratification you know why it is because i did this this is a real big aside i did this ethics training and during the ethics training 
the woman kept talking about Joe Biden, but she would lead by saying, like, I don't want to get political here, but and then she would say something about Joe Biden. <laughs> so now that <laughs> phrase is connected for me with Joe Biden, because what I'm going to say about Joe Biden is no one's <laughs> belief in Joe Biden is going to make him the political candidate that you want him to be. You can believe mm -hmm. he's that all you want. Mm -hmm. That's not that's not going to change mm -hmm. how he's going to show up politically. Oh. And that's where like the rubber hits the road of real person fanfic. You can real person mm -hmm. fanfic like an entire like future and relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that's going to that. And that's going to make big changes on how you show up, like how you vote, how you talk, how you relate to others. Mm -hmm. But that's not going to have a direct relationship on that other person. That's not going to mean that they're going to turn into your fanfic version of them. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought up fanfic because that's totally where my head went as you were talking about that mm -hmm. is we're talking about m magical, magical realism, magical thinking slash like widespread fanfic. Yeah. And mass fanfic. Mm -hmm. Mass fanfic. Oh, that's another good one. Yeah. And that like, that gives me shivers because I'm like, ooh, that can that can go a lot of different ways. Not all of those well, ways are good. Well, and this, I mean, this, what I'm going to say isn't beautiful, but this concept is beautiful. I'm glad that we got here, which is when you have differing fanfic from someone else, mm -hmm. it can get ugly. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so if we have mass fanfic, mm. you know, hearkening back to our episode about um, one true politician. Right. Like if if we have this mass fanfic and someone else has a mass fanfic, like they're gonna this is like the yeah. the Destiels versus Winchester. <laughs> yeah. It's not pretty. Things can it's get things can get really uncomfortable and mean over that <laughs> um coleslaw dish. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Because it's like, no, show me the evidence. No, show me the evidence. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. Oh, it's so true. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. And we start to think like, well, if if you ship that. Right. What's wrong with you? Right. I don't know if you could even be trusted as a person. Right. And there are some instances where you do. I'm like, I'm not a big believer in like shaming others mm -hmm. but i am a big believer in like pausing and if someone has a real person fanfic that feels not just contrary to your own internal perceptions of your own fanfic but that feels mm -hmm. like that fanfic could lead them to do damaging things mm -hmm. that 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 is worth a pause and some reflection to think about okay how am i gonna keep myself safe around this person Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so this is this is an invitation right to pay attention mm -hmm. yeah not just to westworld constructs no but to what what magical thinking are you being invited into oh i love that yes because once you can start to pause and notice that you're being invited into magical thinking, that opens mm -hmm. up the the ability to move in and out of 
like two potentially very different perceptions of reality. Mm-hmm. And then you can get in, then you can take in more information. And that makes, and that means you have more information coming in that increases your ability to make a decision mm-hmm. that's going to be healthy for you and for others. Right. Because if you're being told you are on an unsinkable ship. Right. While that's a fun thing to say, mm-hmm. that's, it would be important to say, is there such a thing as an unsinkable ship? I'm not sure. Right. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be cautious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when, when they ring the bell and they yell iceberg, I think I'll, I'll, I'll get in the, in the lifeboat. Because mm-hmm. if, you know what, if the ship doesn't sink, then we'll just row back to it. We'll just row back to it. <laughs> you know, the other thing this is making me think of, and I'm at first I was like, maybe I don't want to go here. But then I was like, you know, in a surprising turn for me, I think this will be like adding some lightness and some whimsy in, which mm-hmm. we're winding down. That can be nice to invite some mm-hmm. whimsy in. What this is making me think of is something that um, a rule that my partner and I came up with years ago, mm-hmm. following going to the opening of a restaurant. It was a taco oh, place yes. in Minneapolis. We were like, <laughs> yes, we are. We love tacos. This will be so much fun. We went, it was the worst dining experience we had ever had. Oh, no. And we were like, how did this happen? And so afterwards, we like debriefed and thought about it. And for us, we came to the conclusion that like, well, this was the opening. Mm-hmm. Like the, the staff, the cooks, like this, they have so many kinks in their system they need to work out. Mm-hmm. You know, like unlike a theater production, you can only do so many rehearsals. Like you can't really do rehearsals when you're opening a restaurant. You have to like open and then get used to things and get a sense of like your rhythm, your flow and all that good stuff. So we came up with the rule that like we're never going to the opening of a restaurant again. Mm -hmm. We're going to wait, let them do lots of lots of practice, let them learn from these experiences. Mm -hmm. And then we will decide if we want to go or not. Sure. Let other people eat subpar tacos. (laughs) I mean, I didn't think of it that way, but yes, that is, that's absolutely the decision that we made. Let others eat some par tacos. Um, and how this might apply, not just to the Titanic, but I think like situations in general is that like, if this is the first time that anyone is doing anything that you, and they're asking you to be involved in it, hmm. you might want to get more information about like, what are, what kinds of, what are the facts of the practice that this person or organization or entity has had? because mm. perhaps you would look like if you were i don't know sylvia anderson thinking about whether or not you wanted to like take a ride on the titanic and you were like i want to mm-hmm. like look into how, how many practice runs the ship has had perhaps you would have seen that they went on a 12-hour tour and you would have been like whoa <laughs> that's not enough mm-hmm. i'll take the next ship yeah yeah well and it <laughs> To be clear, uh-huh. and I hope we are clear, that we are not trying to shame anyone no. who Mm-mm. rode aboard the Titanic. No, 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 no. This no. is, we are just gleaning some shittily wrapped gifts from their experience. Yes. Because it's true, the first of anything is often not great, like, unless we're talking about live theater. And then the right. first is usually amazing. Or our first book that's coming out in 2021, also, which will be amazing. 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 Absolutely. This rule does art, not apply. You know what? The first, the first thing of art, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and like, like, we're not just saying that because we want you to enjoy and purchase our book. 
We, we do. do though. We want both those things. We're also saying that because <laughs> built into many different types of artistic processes is lots of practice, lots of revision. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Like I remember the best piece of advice that you ever gave me, and this was this must have been like the first chapter we ever wrote together all the way back in the pop psych book for Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Was we were like we were on our little Google Docs and it was my turn to do something and I was it like 15 minutes had gone by and you like finally messaged me in the little chat box because this was in the before times before we like FaceTimed each other while we write mm-hmm. and you were like, you know, I think you're overthinking it. <laughs> Stop trying to edit. Just write it out. It's not going to be good, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. We'll fix it. We can't fix something that's not there. Mm-hmm. And it was such a eureka. Like it was a very simple thing, but it was such a eureka moment. And over mm-hmm. our years of working together, I feel like I've really gotten better in my ability to just be like, you know what? Yeah, it's going to be, it's not going to be good. It's going to be bad. It's going to sink, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. No one's in this book. Like no one is reading this book yet. No one's buying <laughs> no, it yet. No one's in this book boat. No one's in this book boat yet. Like we have plenty of time to like take it out and sink and learn from that experience. And we're only doing it in like six feet of water. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Sink sink with safety. Sink with safety. Well said. <laughs> hashtag sink with safety. That can be the hashtag. Oh. I didn't write one yet. Oh, I like it. I'm I'm adding that. <laughs> yeah, well I think back to our first podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like, I know, we were just little babies. We were. And I I mean, it's actually it's a decent podcast. It's not bad. No. Um but it it was like 15 minutes long 15 minutes long <laughs> and i remember being because, exhausted after those 15 yeah, minutes right because we scripted it all out no <laughs> off the cuff talking on that god i forgot about that that's true though right mm-hmm. you know we scripted it all out mm-hmm. it was very you know it was still it was still fun right but it was it was not what it is now no and you know i wouldn't I wouldn't tell y'all not to listen to it, but I would say, you know, 49 is going to be better. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When people ask me, which they occasionally do now, where should I start? And I'm like, you know, they're like, should I start at the beginning? And I like the first time someone asked me that, I was like, no. And then I realized that that was that was so strong that they didn't understand why that was Mm -hmm. happening. And so now what I say to people is I'm like, like, Go on, like, go on app, like, go on whatever podcast app you use, scroll mm-hmm. through, and pick whatever fandom sparks your interest and start there. Yeah. I think that's a good way to say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I often tell people to start with two because I like when we talk about Westworld Construct. Yeah. But I, that's just, that's just a personal preference. Well, right. Um, and we do, we define that so often as we did right. just 15 <laughs> like, minutes literally ago. Literally just now. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, you go, you you find the one you're interested in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, our our first one wasn't our best one. No. No. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have... And if we had gone down with that ship, right? If we had listened to it through <laughs> and been so overwhelmed by it, but it's not as natural or it doesn't have as much improv mm-hmm. or it's too short or I remember for a mm-hmm. while I was like, I had a hard time listening to myself because of... Something my voice did, probably it was like clearing my throat because we did it in the fall and I had like raspy Mm. voice. Mm -hmm. If I had like let that overwhelm me, 
and the shame around it overwhelmed me, I would have gone down with the pod ship and I would have been like, you know mm-hmm. what? I can't do this anymore. And what a loss that would have been. It would have been a loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this, this launched a book. Right. And people seem to like this podcast. They do. I don't think I haven't noticed, friends at home, that some of you have been interacting with me on social media. And it's sparking a lot of joy for the It's captain. sparking a lot of joy for me. <laughs> yeah. In case you weren't sure, friends at home, I am typically the one on social media. Yeah. So the, you, are, you are interacting with moi. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, although Spock is going to start doing more stories. I am. Yes. Tomorrow when we meet, we're going to we're going to talk about how to how to start the slow roll of that process. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Social media. <laughs> Woo. Right. But you got to start somewhere. That's right. You got it. You do. You have to start somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. Well, we began with Titanic. We've end, ended with the USS Starship Therapies. Oh, we our our takeaways for today i would say are to be mindful of your trip on the USS 2020 mhm yeah <laughs> yes check in both with yourself and with others and if you are the person who is shoveling coal <laughs> we invite you to pause and find ways to take care of yourself Mm-hmm. you know and while we appreciate that like we can't there's no like getting in a time machine and going to like 2022 or hopping in a different version of the multiverse of 2020 mm-hmm. there may be ways to pause take breaks take care of yourself even as we recognize the limitations of where each of us are, us are at in terms of our race our class our gender presentation mm-hmm beautiful mm-hmm. um what are what are some things we talked about today um we we talked about lots of the concepts of narrative therapy which is why i'm still throwing mm-hmm. it down there we talked a lot about the westworld construct intersectionality um which is a term that was spearheaded by one kimberly crenshaw so mad props to her we talked mm-hmm. a lot about race class and gender and then we ended with some some reflection on magical realism and magical thinking oh fun I love when we coin new phrases. <laughs> that's first joy for me, too. It's and true. you know what? We need to look for all the joy we can. Oh, yeah. That's the truth. <laughs> oh, hey. I didn't tell this. Like, we didn't actually talk about the band that went down with the ship. And maybe oh. we should do that for just like a second. I'm trying. I'm like pausing because I'm trying to think if there's a way to like quickly sum them up. I don't think that there is, but we could like revisit them maybe in next week's podcast. Okay, that's fair. Unless you have a way to like sum them up in a nutshell. Well, let let me offer you this, friends. Mm-hmm. And if you are a person who stops listening to our podcast as soon as we start the recap, you missed out. You missed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who listen all the way to the bitter end, here's a gift. Uh, <laughs> so I've I've been this is burying the lead, um, but I've been using the metaphor of the Titanic a lot with clients recently. Yeah. Um, to to talk about how to deal with the hard truths of mm-hmm. what's happening in the world right now. Um, 
And I had a client recently who um, expressed their feelings as rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, mm-hmm. uh, which was a very common phrase at my house. So, um, so you you knew immediately what they meant. You could lock in. I knew me. Mm-hmm. I knew immediately what they meant. And later in our conversation, I was like, you know, client, can I offer you something that that is still going to be Titanic related? And they were like, yes, sure. Um, (laughs) And I said, what if instead of rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, you were part of the band that played as people were loading in in the boats Mm -hmm. or as the ship was going down? What if what if you were what if you are someone who can offer comfort to others Mm -hmm. and engage in something that brings you joy, even as the ship is sinking? Yes. And so the very short story is, you know, there was a band on the ship and instead of fighting for lifeboats or, you know, hiding in their room, Mm -hmm. they, they took their instruments and played Mm -hmm. for the, for the people. Like they, they were out on the deck Mm -hmm. at first they were inside, then they went out on the deck. And so anyone could hear them. Right. And there was a lot of, talk in the documentary about the band Mm -hmm. around the idea that like this was such a good thing that they did because it kept people calm and it maintained order and that really rubbed me the wrong way because i was like you mean the order where the rich people were more likely to survive than the non-rich people the poor Mm -hmm. people i was like really we want to give them mad props for maintaining that status quo like in your words Mm -hmm. the status is not quo that's right and, like, oh, I, there's no way for me to know what actually motivated the band. But what I would sure. say is, in my real person fanfic, I far prefer the idea that a huge chunk of their motivation is, as you're saying, that they were playing to, like, to one, like, comfort themselves, mm-hmm. to do something that they that sparked joy for them, and to offer that joy, that connection to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so even as 2020 feels like this sinking ship, we get to decide what role we want to have yeah. on that ship. You know? Do do we do we help people into lifeboats? Do we jump into lifeboats? Do we play music? Mm-hmm. Do we cuddle with loved ones? Right. Um and obviously as we've talked about there are different opportunities based on where you're at on the ship and that's that's real and that's valid Mm -hmm. and also we still have some choice we do and it does it reminds me of and this i hope these aren't famous last words but this might be the first time i'm gonna like reference this quote without immediately weeping as i'm doing Mm -hmm. it but it reminds me of the quote that we reference all the time in the podcast with gandalf Mm -hmm. that really the band is such a great example at least to me in my real person titanic fanfic who knew Mm -hmm. that that would be a thing that would happen for me but here it is um i'm so thrilled (laughs) (laughs) That that the band was making a choice with what to do with the time that they were given. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what I I appreciated was when I offered this to my client, um, they said something to the effect of, wow, you're really good with the the metaphors about dying. (laughs) And I took that as such a huge compliment. Yeah. 
because that is one of the hardest things we deal with as human beings, Mm -hmm. the concept that that someday we will cease to be. Yeah. And if I can offer even the tiniest bit of comfort, like the the men that played their instruments, like that's that's really special. Mm -hmm. That's part of how we make meaning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, do you want to see us into port? Um, yes. We may be at the helm of the ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duffy, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. He refuses to go down with any and all ships. Join us for our next episode, and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to tell your friends, and keep interacting with me on social media. It makes me so happy. Oh, and next next app is our 50th app, mm-hmm. where we are going to do a Q&A, so if you interact with me on our social media, please tell me questions that you have for the crew. Um, whatever you want to know about us or theories that you want us to flesh out, uh, ask us anything. We may or may not answer it. And as always, friends, live long and, and prosper. prosper.